Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Hi, I'm depressed alcoholic comedian James Nokise. A couple of years ago, I had a mental health breakdown which resulted in panic attacks on international flights, stepping in front of an oncoming bus, and eventually showering so long that I began to get a little bit hungry. And that's when I discovered something magnificent. Through the magic of takeaways and running water, it turns out my mental health safe space is eating fried chicken in the shower. And that's how we've ended up here, a mental health podcast on headspace and happiness. This episode, I'm talking to performance artist Moi Langa. We'll be talking about getting away. I just decided one one day to go on like this drinking binge in Otara. And I just remember never coming back home. Getting a family. Just the whole Fax Swag family have had my back from, from day one. Getting blazed. I actually sat down, got high, mm. and really thought about how I why, why do I get triggered? Some of this will get a bit real. The language, the subjects. So make sure that you're in a safe space with your comfort food. And join us, eating fried chicken in the shower. Hi, and welcome to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower with me, James Nokise. And today I am joined by a multi-talented performing artist, uh, Moi Lung. Hmm. Uh, is that, does that cover what you do, if I just say multi-talented performing artist, or do you prefer dance? Um, I like multi-talented, I guess. <laughs> it takes nothing away from being a dancer, but I feel like dance is like mm. first amongst uh, a variety of, mm. of things that you do. Definitely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm still coming down from my high. <laughs> Like, like, like just emotional high. Oh, or... no. I got. I told. I told myself I'll come half an hour. Uh, half an hour before I come in, I'm gonna get stoned. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the seats. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm currently sitting on the fence. Just sitting on it. What what year are you in right now? That's how my wife always refers to it. Is that you just go back? Yeah. So... <laughs> I feel like I'm back in '95. '95. That's a good year. Yeah. It's a good year to be in. I love '95. Tupac's still alive. Definitely. First D'Angelo album's coming out. TLC's album. TLC. Is that, that's, that's, oh, that's Crazy Sexy Cool's cool. coming. Yeah. yeah. That's a good album. Yeah. That's it, yeah. So, um, what chicken have, have you bought for us to... I don't want to deny you the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Waffle. Waffle? I don't even... I've never tried this one. You never tried it? Have, you only, have you only heard of peaches? I've only ever heard of peaches. Oh, my so. gosh. Let's get, let's get into it. Where's, um, <laughs> for, for listeners thinking, man, these guys sound like they know each other mm-hmm. for ages. We, we only actually met last year. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we were both doing our seasons at the basement theater mm. of our solo shows, straight out of um, sort of lockdown. Or we, our shows have been delayed mm. by the second, was it second or third lockdown? 
lost count. I think it was the third one. And then we got greenlit into yeah. level one. And then it was just our two shows um, on there, which was really, really fun because I had sort of been out of the country mm. when um, Coven, which is your particular group, and, mm. and Faf Swag, that you're a member of, mm. had come up, you know, um, is it 2017, 20, 2016? Fast work, 2013. But when they, when they popped, when they... Oh, popped. Yeah, around then. 15, 16, mm. 17. So we, um, yeah, we just got talking there and <laughs> had a little bit in common. Yeah. For our listeners, mm. what do you do? <clears throat> huh. <laughs> Well, I'm a mother to a ballroom house. For those of you that don't know what ballroom is, it's like a place where the LGBTQI get to, uh, the LGBT children of, oh my gosh, I'm such a mom! <laughs> <laughs> blah, 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 I haven't said LGBT in ages. LGBT, 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 ABC, T-I. <laughs> That's where, like, um, where, where queer POC get to like express themselves in a like safe environment and like kind of compete against other houses and like my house is the house of Kevin Karanji and we've been active for six years and um, as well as Borum I decided to make a collective from it because I realized that not only are these kids amazing Borum but they're like I really love I really fuck with their artistry and I kind of mm. want to help like hone their crafts and like you know just look over it because some of them aren't like they don't have the qualifications and stuff mm. they're like mm. fresh from school mm. but I'm all about the whole like experiencing life mm. as your crash course into being an artist yeah. yeah yeah so yeah I look after these me and my partner look after these children and they're now part of the arts collective and we try and get them like booked where we can and help them really bring their dreams to like full circle. Mm. Mm. The term you used there, is it uh, queerocracy? No. Queer purity. Queer purity. Queerocracy. That's the political branch, mm. the queer purity. Mm. Well, is that a new term? I haven't heard it. Mm. Queer purity. Uh, no, queer. Uh, it's my fault. It's queer POC. Oh, queer POC. Oh, right. Not the queer POC, which queer is the... There's a queer POC. Queer POC is probably what homophobic people are talking about. There's a queer POC, and these queers are coming... Oh, my God. Queer POC. It's my fault. Yeah, but I'm, I'm a fagassi, and I grew up with it. I should be able to hear it. Queer POC. Because then there's also my fear palangi side. Yeah, yeah. Like, Trying to sound smart at the same time, so it gets lost. <laughs> <laughs> what is that term? Uh, P-O-C. P-O-C. That's, that's me. That's my fear palangi side. That's what that is. <laughs> and, it's, um, and when you say uh, mother, um, I think that term for our listeners might also be new in oh, terms yeah. of like being a mother of a, of a house. Is that like a... Why should you, you explain it's like a queer family, like, because there's stuff that you wouldn't necessarily ask your biological parents and they don't usually have the answers for. 
So, like, me being a mother and my partner being the father, like, we kind of... These kids call us to, like, querents. So, yeah, like, right. they come to us when for advice about, like, queer life and survival and how we got over it and advice on how to, like, come out to their families and stuff. Mm. And, yeah, I think that's what, like... My, that's why there's... This white house is called, like, the head of the house, the mm. mother or the father, mm. because it's like, yeah, you basically take on that role of teaching them about queer life, so they're like, they're safe, and yeah. It's quite a responsibility. Oh, yeah. It's, it's basically taken over my art practice, I feel like, but I, I, I think it was last year I told myself that motherhood is an art practice in a way, because you're kind of, when you think of mothers you think of them as creating something and I feel like that's what artists naturally do so I'm like fucking art practice my art practice was my motherhood so Mm. yeah so that's what I've been kind of like thinking deep (laughs) we try to sound smart thinking deep no I'm like yeah trying to yeah find myself in my practice which is motherhood currently I've added that to my art practice mm. yeah so you did you run away at 21 yeah yeah I, I had to remove myself from the situation because it wasn't doing me any it wasn't bringing me any joy mm. I realized and I realized that my family at the time didn't really want to give me joy as well so mm. I just decided one one day to go on like this drinking binge in Otara. And I just remember never coming back home. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then I finally lived life at 21. Right. And discovered everything properly. Yeah, I felt like I just came out of like those Christian camps for like years. Yeah. Mm. That's that's quite the schism. Mm. But um, I don't regret it though, like the upbringing part, because I think what the ch- Samoan church taught me was like kind of preparing me to have a good head on my shoulders mm-hmm. kind of thing, and it's kind of kept me grounded over the years. So, yeah. <laughs> Trying to name positives about church. You don't, I mean, you don't have to. And I say that to you as a Fefe ask. <laughs> you don't have to. Mm. Um, the first 21 years, though. Oh, yeah. That means your teenage years, uh, you're dancing, you're moving. Mm. Are you aware of your queerness at that point? Oh, definitely. Because I, I felt like I got away with... Like, I was pretty good at code switching from a young age. Mm. So, like, when I was at home, it was always... I wasn't allowed to speak English at home. I was just Samoan at all times otherwise. Mm. And then at school, I felt like I could be like my queer alter ego and just be like a bitch. Yeah. Just be like, miss, I'm not going to behave unless you let me perform in front of the class at 2.55, which is five minutes before the bell. And (laughs) I need to close the day down. (laughs) And I just remember like a lot of my classmates being like, do we have to watch this? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I kind of had that like 
alter ego. Like, I'd go to school as a, like, complete bitch, and then I'd come home as Cinderella. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, I know a lot of Pacific Islands, mm. uh, you know, teenagers who were in that position. Oh, yeah. Uh, and a lot of church people, a lot of Pacific Islanders in the church in their 20s and 30s mm. who are still in that position. Oh, yeah. You know, got that Saturday night. That's why they get so drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah, I, I believe so, because they, like, they wouldn't know how to, you know, express what they're feeling inside, so... Mm. They would have to like do something, like get drunk every weekend and make a fool of themselves. I feel bad. I'm reading my own people down. No, I don't think. I think mm. that you're not reading the people down. I'd say. Mm. I, it's it's observing. Yeah. The, yeah. From from a place of being of but outside. Mm. I like that. Yeah, I feel like. They definitely get drunk every weekend or every payday mm. because that's all they know when I feel like they don't know, they don't have the tools mm. to be able to express what they are actually feeling angry about inside. Mm. Mm. Hence why there's lots of fights and like club royals and stuff and yeah. weddings. <laughs> and yeah, and that too. <laughs> Is that part of your motivation as a mother to to give young queer people tools yeah like i don't know all the answers but i just base it off like what i've been through and my survival like having to like start life all over at 21 and as a woman leading up to now mm. and like just basically like when they come to me with their problems i'm just like ah oh, yeah Reminds me of when I was 23. Mm. And I told them how I dealt with it. And yeah, they learned something from it. I tell them not to like take all of it, but take some of it because some of us need to learn some of those hard lessons ourselves. Is that difficult knowing there's a hard lesson coming, but feeling that it's, it's something that you do have to learn yourself? You can't necessarily be taught? Yeah, because I know a lot of my kids get really foul at you when I'm like, Really, when I really attack them for certain things and like mm. check them mm. for certain things, and I'm just like, oh well, at least I warned you. Like, take what you can from what I've said. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, it's funny because ironically, what you're talking about, in a sense, is pastoral care. Mm. It's what a minister does for a congregation. Mm. Yeah. What's What's it like, though, if I can ask? What's it like? To, to run away. Like, like in, in the manner that you did. Um, freedom. I, I feel free. Like In the first couple of years, though, I was anxious. That, mm -hmm. Like, what if I bump into like, one of my family members? Mm. Like, I'll think of situations like at the supermarket, how am I going to act? But thankfully, I never bumped into them. And I was just like, oh, okay. And I kind of grew stronger over time. And then I think it was like the fifth year of running away, or six, I decided to go back on one Christmas just to pop in and be like, yeah, I'm still alive. And they're all still the same, so I was like, okay, bye. Really? Yeah, I try and tell myself to like check in every now and then so that, not that I care if they care that I'm alive, but like, so they know that I'm doing fine. 
and they know I'm doing fine now, so which is good. And I kind of felt like it was that motivate. Uh, it was them saying that I wasn't gonna amount to shit when I was younger. Mm. Kind of really pushing me every day. Mm. And now that they kind of seen like some of my stuff pop up, they're just like, oh, she really is living what she said she was gonna do. Mm. And yeah, it, it feels good. I feel like I often run away. <laughs> like, I, I can't say I've, I've run away that one time. I feel like I constantly am running. Mm. I'm never comfortable. So I'm constantly running, but recently I've learned to just ground myself. Mm. But I've also been planning my next runaway. <laughs> like, Melbourne looks good. <laughs> like, it does look good, though, apart from the thing, but otherwise it looks yeah. good. Might just pack my bags and go there for a couple of months or not come back. I don't know. Eating fried chicken in the shower. Decompress from life's painful decisions. What do you think of? when you think on your teenage years. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of our listeners who maybe are in their teenage years and, and they're thinking, I have, I have to run away, but they're not sure. And I'm not advocating it. Yeah. But I'm thinking, like, what, you know, mm. what can you look back on in, in, in your role as a mother and, mm. and think about them? I feel like in this... Um, day and age with like the queer POC people I feel like there's more help now than because my situation was different for my reasons of running away like I had to run away because there was nothing else for me that I knew of that was out there so where am I going Um, I feel like yeah there's more help now out there for the queer youth like there's houses now, like my house, and like for any teens out there that are feeling very lost and mm-hmm. unsure, there's definitely those. You can reach out to like a lot of the house mothers here. There's like four or five, and they're scattered throughout New Zealand. So you can find us on social media and stuff, and there's like Rainbow Youth and all these other youth collectives. But um, I'd say don't be so harsh on yourself, like, yeah, and just keep people that are, like, gonna keep encouraging you to be your authentic self. Did you have a high school squad? No, I was actually a loser. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually, like, a, like, I was, like, the drama club loser. They'll try and go around and blend in and be like... Hey, man. Hey! It's like, ooh, fuck off you, blender. I'm just like, I'm not a blender. Oh, this cuts deep. This cuts deep, boy. It, it does. And then I remember there was, like, even my denial stage where I was like, I'm not gay. Like, I'd go around and all the boys were like, oh, nah, you're, you're queer. I was like, nah, I'm one of you, Steve. <laughs> Can I rock up with you at Pacifica? <laughs> I'll meet you in front of the Western Springs. <laughs> Like, why are you talking like that? Like, cause I'm I'm straight. <laughs> so yeah, I was, I was, my high school years were very. I felt like it was me playing different characters every term. Was there a time in high school you were able to drop it and just be, no. just be you, or just all through just keeping it up? I was just keeping it up. Yeah, and then I would get boys like, if you're a real girl, I would have had it. I'm just like. 
give me 10 years. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's funny, some of them have snuck into the DMs, but <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not interested, bro. Like, <laughs> all the tests I see you got a kid. <laughs> you gotta you gotta move on from your high yeah, school years. Like, you let it go. Let it go. Did you ever move back to your family place? Have you ever been back? Never. Never. No. Mm-mm. I feel like I just think about everything in my childhood. It just motivates me. Like sometimes I'll just turn up when I'm like, when I have a decent amount of money in my account and I just rock up like, oh yeah, you want 300? <laughs> like I go back just to be petty. Yeah. And then I disappear. But I'll never tell them my address. I want to ask about when you ran away mm -hmm. and what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. You're helping a lot of young queer people now. Mm. So I'm curious, who helped you when you, mm. when you ran away? <clears throat> um, Tanu Ngao and Pati, um, which is Faf Swag. Mm -hmm. So Faf Swag is basically, was basically there from the beginning for me. Like, because I ran away and I cut ties with everyone else, but then I, hung on to Tanner and Patty's relationship. And they were just beginning Faf Swag and they just let me live my life by like, cause I was living in a tiny house at the time. <laughs> I was selling drugs. Yeah. And like when the police raid happened and everything was going to shits and I had nowhere else to go, um, Tanner and Patty were just like, just bring your stuff. And it's funny cause like, <laughs> they cracked up because I rocked up with just rubbish bags of clothes. That was my uncle Bao. <laughs> And yeah, they basically saved me and just the whole Fife Swag family, like, they've had my back from, from day one. And they even let me like, be their friend that sells drugs in Otara. <laughs> Everyone needs a friend who sells drugs in Otara. In Otara, yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, it was basically Fife Swag. I, yeah, I definitely call Pati and Tanu like my parents. Mm. And yeah, they're always just looking out for me and everyone else. And I feel like that's kind of where I learned how to be generous, mm. I guess, because I would see how Tanu would um, give me advice from his own experience growing up queer. And we'll talk about music and stuff. And, and I kind of learned from that relationship what it was. It was like, kind of like a mentorship. Like, mm. he's like, my parent. And... I kind of wanted to do that for the new gen coming in. That's kind of how I end up here. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand that. Mm. It's, um, it's part of how the show comes about, mm. is I wanted to have something for the new gen coming in, Yeah, a resource I didn't have. Yeah. And I, I remember, because Tano would chuck us in all these, like... <laughs> random community stuff that I never got. I was like, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. like, community service, like give back to your community. It's yeah. like doing condom wrappings. I'm like, on a Thursday, and like, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> and working at Pacifica, talking about safe sex. I never got it all, but like, the more I grew up, the more I realized what he was actually doing. I was like, oh yeah, cool. 
and now, now I'm kind of doing that to my kids now. Mm. Like, come on, it's community service. You have to come and do this mm. and show your face at this protest. And mm. Is it hard to see the difference between the family you grew up with and the family you have now? Mm. It's, it's, I don't mean to be sad or anything, no. but like, I kind of feel like all the good that I have now in my life has kind of erased my memory of what it was like to exist in that space mm. with my family. Like, I still think about it, but it feels like it was like a dream or like a, like something I saw on TV. Yeah. And then I'm like, did I really go through that? Like, mm. And it's hard to believe, but it did happen. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I, I consider this my family, like how the way Tanu taught me with Faf Swag and then me with Coven, I kind of feel like I'm setting up my own kind of family tree for mm. these through my queer spirit relationships. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it painful? Oh. What? My family? Mm. It's not painful. It's more disappointment for me. For like, you to them? No, it's, yeah, it's like I'm disappointed in them. That's mm. all. Mm. I don't feel any pain because I felt like my life was a pain. But yeah, I, feel, I just feel disappointed. That's all. That, that they couldn't expand their thinking mm. around things and be more open, fluid thinking. <laughs> what do you What do you do to um, to deal with that that feeling of disappointment? Because it's not a nice feeling to no, to look at the people and and feel like that. What do you What do you do? You know how I talked about running away before. Mm. I kind of I do a shedding. I feel right, and it's I don't know. I don't know if people are into the whole mumbo-jumbo spirituality, give out to the universe you receive, but I, I feel like when I feel like that, I just shed myself and kind of reinvent myself mm. aesthetically, mentally, the way I eat. Mm. And yeah, kind of, I feel like that really helps me. Yeah. Mm. So like a, a cleanse? I yeah, guess. it's like a cleanse, like a new bit through this, like yeah. new era, like I turned the leaf over. I can forget about that. Yeah, I think a lot. I think a lot of people do that. They just have different terms. Mm. You know, that sounds similar to um, it, someone go. Oh, I'm going to go to the gym. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to have the summer body, or yeah. I, you know, I'm going to read this this amount of books over a month. You know, I think yeah. people do do that. Yeah, and for me, something because like I, I wasn't exactly in a good place, say like two months ago. In terms of my motherhood, because my children, mm. some of them have grown up, mm. and they've grown up enough where they, they can leave the house. But some of my children have left, and we kind of had a fight over, and it kind of made me depressed. And mm. um, I had to like, I've literally gone, like, deleted my socials. Like, yeah. um, this is the longest I've been off Instagram. Mm. I was just over the bullshit, like, like, I don't know, there's bullshit in everyone's community, but like, I was just over like being triggered mm. by things that make me angry and anxious. And I realized that a lot of those things were from Instagram. Like, what's the first, like, I actually sat down, got high mm. and really thought about how I 
why why do I get triggered? Mm. And then I go, the first thing I do is wake up, go on Instagram, look at people's story, mm. and some, it feels like people are attacking me. Right. And then I felt like I was going crazy, and then mm. I was just like, nah, I think I just have to get off social media. And I basically got off social media, and like, I've been off for a month or going on, so it's a month now, mm. and I feel good. Like, I don't feel triggered. I wake up. Again, it feels like I'm in the 90s because mm. everyone has to contact me through email mm. or call me. But, like, only if you have my number, like, kind of thing. But, like, it feels good because I miss people now. Like, I miss human interactions, whereas when I was on social media, I was like, oh, yeah, that person's all good because they just posted a story an hour ago. Mm. But, like, it makes it more meaningful. Like, I stopped clubbing too. Yeah. I stopped going out and be like, I just stayed at home and ate toasties and watched movies <laughs> and got high because I was really depressed and I really needed to just be a hermit. Mm. But then I decided to go out to test the waters and it felt good going out and people actually like respecting you and your boundaries and like respecting your presence mm. more because they don't see you as much and it gives them a chance to miss I sound psychotic but like no, no not at all but yeah like it gives them a chance to miss you so you're just like oh yeah social media is not the one but everyone's like when are you coming back on I was like mm. I don't know I kind of like it like yeah. I don't yeah I don't know how long I'll be off for but it's feeling good so far like being off what are the voices the negative voices are they are they from growing up? Are they from Ooh. just always being there? What, where do they come from? Um, childhood trauma again, like from like your family say, you can't do that, you can't do that. That's mm. <laughs> like all that, like I keep on hearing it. And like even down to like little food stuff, like I have a trauma with food because I'd grow up and I was like, you're not allowed to eat that unless you ask. Like, you know what I mean? Right, like, yeah, yeah. And then on the other hand, I'll go to my other family's house. I'm like, can I, am I allowed to eat this? Like, why are you asking? Mm. Food's meant to be eaten. Mm. And then it'll kind of confuse me as a kid. And I kind of, it's kind of like come on to me as an adult now. Mm. Like, especially when I'm like eating at other people's houses. I'm like, it's okay if I have this. I'm like, mm. what the fuck, why are you asking? Yeah. yeah. I think it's those like childhood trauma voices, really. As silent as that when I'm high. But like, yeah, those are the negative voices I hear. Eating fried chicken in the shower. You can post about it online or just enjoy it for yourself. I ask this question of everyone uh, who comes in here. Because this is my safe space, weirdly enough. Not necessarily this particular shower. Um, but as shower and good food has always been my safe space. Is there anything that you would like to share? in the shower um, while you're here. That I guess like we create our own kind of safe spaces for ourselves, like how you have the shower and the chicken. And mm -hmm. For myself, I have ballroom as my safe space. Mm. And I feel like anyone can have a safe space. It's just not anyone can have. Oh, does that make sense? It does make sense. Oh yeah. like. I feel like you create your own safe space, really. What was that first ball like? you got to remember. Yes, I do. Um, it was Banji. It was in Otara. That's where the first ball was. Wow. Um, the Te Puki Otara Hall. Yeah, that's where it first began. And it was very beginners. 
at now of is it have you been on that that whole journey yeah yeah because Borum here has been around for eight years now yeah and yeah it's slowly transitioned from South Auckland to like town so it's that's crazy to me to agree mm. like that it's not because and I I'm, because of the church mm. because of our community mm-hmm. it's no shade to our community mm. But when you consider, look, let's call it what it is, the homophobia that's in there, mm. all right? Let's call it like, I know there'll be a, a lot of people who go, it's not homophobia, mm. it's just God's will. Mm. Mate, I'm a minister's son, it's homophobia. Mm. Considering there's all that, that in the middle of this ocean of homophobia, mm. this island of queer safety pops up. Mm. And then it comes to the CBD where arguably... Mm. you'd think it would probably be the reverse of that. Yeah. That it would start, you know, K-Road and basements, mm. and then it would find its way to South Auckland. Mm. Like, do you find that strange? Yeah. Uh, not really. Yeah. It's funny, because we do have, like, sometimes I sometimes can tell when it's, like, people from church, churches that come yeah. to balls. And they have nothing, it's weird, when they actually come into our world, they realise it's actually not that bad. Like, they're mm. just like, oh, they're, they're just being themselves and, mm. like, expressing themselves safely. Like, yeah, because I, I like watching Christian families come in and, like, just to come support whoever. And then like, you can kind of see their mind change when they leave the balls, like, oh, yeah. If this is where my son wants to be or my daughter wants to be, then it's a safe space. And I feel like it kind of starts their conversation in churches. So I, I'm interested to see what Borum looks like in 10 years' time from now. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm excited, like, yeah, to see where it's at and the people that come to it. Because I know a lot of people's, like, I don't know, I don't know if it's called erasing their homophobia, like when mm-hmm. they come in and finally get to be like, oh, yeah. Oh, cool! It's they're doing nothing devilish, like you know yeah, what I mean. Like yeah. it's not as like giapolo as they <laughs> make it out. Have you talked with your mother about being a mother? Because it, it strikes me you're such an important mother mm. to so many people in your community. Mm. Well, it's funny. My no, it's not funny. <laughs> my biological mother actually passed away. Um, around 2017 Mm. and it's funny because I I, when I would get high I not pretend I have I feel like I have conversations with my mother Mm. and um because she's like I'm gonna be real my biological mother was fucking useless (laughs) like she couldn't take care of any of us and Mm. for me like how I look at my motherhood is making up for her fucking Mm. up me and my siblings childhood I'm just like cool, I am my mother's daughter. I am going to be the best mother that I could be because obviously she liked Dick before any of her children in her life when she was alive. So mm. I I feel like I try and channel her and what she would do. And, I, yeah, I try and be a better version of her, I guess. Which is weird how I can get along with everyone else's mothers, but I couldn't. Yeah, I remember the latter parts of my mum being alive like, mm. I had to live with her because I was like, I didn't really grow up with her, but 
it got annoying because then she had um, dementia. Right. Yeah. So it was hard living with her as well. I was trying to focus on my transition because there was a period where I stayed off for two, three months. On the third month, I just handed the towel in because we were just constantly arguing and I was trying to find myself and she was getting more sick. So I couldn't really do much. And yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's where a lot of my motherhood comes from, is doing what I think she would have done. Kind of like acting. Then, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, honestly, I feel growing up is basically figuring out what your parents did. Yeah. And then trying to be better when you have children or, or you are responsible for other people's lives. Yeah. Then sometimes you're like, I am my daughter's, I am my mother's daughter. and I'm, I'm, I'm a bitch. <laughs> um, and can I ask your... Uh, father? Hmm. My father lives in Melbourne. Right. <laughs> um, my father left my, this is my biological parents because my, they didn't give me the childhood trauma. It was actually my adopted family that gave me the right. childhood trauma because my mum couldn't actually look after me at the time. So she had to give me to the, her, my father's family right. to adopt. Uh, listeners, this is a very Samoan thing, mm. it's, it's, and it's probably not. There's probably a lot of other communities who've got this, but mm. Fangai. Yeah, <laughs> Fangai. <laughs> it's a Fangai. <laughs> um. So, what's that like with your adopted family? Mm. Traumatizing, but I forgive them now. Mm. They taught me a lot but also very traumatising. Mm. But I would always run away to Otara to my biological mum and yeah. father. So it was a bit of that every weekend, so that's why I say I grew up 50% South Auckland, 50% Central. Yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah. My adoptive family, I feel like, are at a place now that where they're slowly learning stuff now about the world around them. Even though a lot of the stuff they say are quite problematic, but then I just blame it on the generation before. Like, you know, they didn't know any better and they come from a different time with a different kind of struggle. Mm. Do you think that helps, being able to forgive them? Is it forgiveness? Yeah, I feel like for me, I had to forgive them, otherwise I'd just hold a grudge against them. And I feel like that's why I had, I had me on bootleg was to be able to, express my frustrations with them and be at peace with it and just close that chapter. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because I don't like carrying around like a burden on someone. Mm. Or you feel like carrying it around is, is a burden to someone else or a burden well, to you? For myself, like, yeah. like I hate that person so much, but I've realised that the more anger you just hold on to, it just makes you a miserable person. And I kind of realised that with, like, not using, not bashing my mum, but, like, I realised that with her, she was quite, yeah, she was resentful and quite an angry woman. And I never wanted, never want to be like that. So I try and let things go. Yeah. Yeah. And it gives you no wrinkles, too, apparently. <laughs> I, I like my wrinkles. I'm gonna be honest with you, Moy, because I can't see any. Oh, bless you! <laughs> that's that's you're my favourite guest now. Thank you. 
it's all the grease from the chicken. Oh yeah, it's like evaporates. Yeah, just about, yeah, just and it through, smooths it out. Smooths it out. Yeah. <laughs> chicken be, facial. <laughs> you should do it like clean chicken. I like to get a spicy peaches <laughs> and then just roll it around my eyes. It makes it a bit teary. Then you roll it and and closes your pores. <laughs> You should do a beauty secret with like maple syrup and. You should do a beauty secret. You gotta get peaches to check it. We'll do it. We'll do a chicken tour. Yeah, we should. We're just like the best chicken for makeup. For makeup. Like, see, I can see some eyeshadow here, like some gloss. Yeah. And then all the boys that I went to high school with, we're sitting there going, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I saw him in the shower with this chick I used to see on Instagram. <laughs> they were doing fried chicken yeah. facials, man. Fried chicken. Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower is produced for RNZ by Charlie Bleakley of Fruit and Nut Productions. The engineer is Ronnie Poet. The executive producers are Justin Gregory and Tim Watkin. You can find this podcast however you just found this podcast. Or if you're listening on the radio, go to RNZ's podcast page and look for the chicken. If you're rating podcasts and you want to rate ours, give us five stars. Remember, more stars, more chicken. If you want to share your comfort food and your mental health safe space with me, then you can tweet me on at James Nokusik. If you're experiencing mental health issues and you're in New Zealand, you can text 1737 or go to the RNZ Fried Chicken page and we'll have a list of different mental health practitioners that might be able to assist you. If because of the pandemic you're experiencing COVID-related mental health issues, you can go to www.health.govt.nz. Look for the COVID page and you'll be able to find mental health resources there. Stay safe. Vaftailava. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.